0: Welcome to Brood in America. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. This is the podcast that gives you a little bit of levity in your week possibly but also gives you some really hopefully powerful insight on the foundations of our country and give you a little bit of context um, as to where we came from why we're still here this is Brewed in America we look forward every week to looking at a different city or a different person or maybe even a a different founding document a different car company a different chocolate company whatever the case may be that is based right here in the United States and kind of give us a sense of home and a sense of pride in our country but as always we must first go to the drip of the day all right today's drip comes from plymouth massachusetts so in talking about, uh, we've got a exciting series that we're in the middle of right now. Plymouth, uh, of course, is America's home place. It is America's uh, grandma's house, if you will. And so today's coffee comes from Speedwell Coffee Roasters in Plymouth, Massachusetts. They're what we refer to as a small batch roaster. So they don't do a ton of uh, roasting like Folgers or you know other big companies. They're a local kind of a mom and pop shop. But Speedwell Coffee Roasters in Plymouth, Massachusetts, uh, the one I'm drinking on today is called Ethio- Ethiopia Bombay Abore. So super American sounding. Uh, but is a what they call a beautiful grade one washed Sadama. So that sounds great already. It checks all the boxes that you'd expect from these heirloom coffees. Of course, referring to Sadama. Of course, Sadama it sounds a little bit kind of Al Qaeda-ish to me. But you know, it is a all-American coffee. So I'm not even gonna, I'm not even going to attempt to make light of that. But Uh, This coffee uh, is a light body with a complex stone fruit sweetness and with a pleasing floral finish. That's according to their website at speedwellcoffee.com. My nuts and bolts review of it is it tastes like peaches and it tastes like jasmine. And that is nothing to shirk at and nothing to turn your back on. Those two things... I'm from the South, born and raised in the South. I've been here my whole life. My parents have been here their whole lives, and grandparents have been here. Great-grandparents have been here. Great-great-grandparents have been here their whole lives, So, and really almost in the same county in Florida. uh, We've been here my entire life, and my, my genealogy has been here for a long time. And I can tell you, speaking from experience as a Southerner, peaches will do something for you. And if your coffee tastes like peaches, that is an exciting thing to get excited about. Oh, man, that's good. That is great. Check them out. Speedwellcoffee.com from Plymouth, Massachusetts. You will not be disappointed. All right. So as I alluded to just a few minutes ago, last week, just to kind of recap, we touched on kind of the... Puritan mindset and where the Puritans got a lot of their ideas that birthed America Uh, not just the Puritans but the Separatists and the Pilgrims and kind of gave us somewhat of a 30,000 foot view of where the origins lie and we kind of made it up to the point where we were talking about the Uh, The Mayflower Compact. And if you didn't have a chance to listen to last week's episode, I can't encourage you enough, please go back and take a listen to that. It's a relatively short episode compared to some of our others, but it is a worthwhile episode. It's going to be uh, kind of our summary or our preface to the next several podcasts about the next month leading up to July 4th. As I mentioned last week, the Summertime in America seems to be the time when things happen, when things change, and to sort of pay homage to that and kind of make our own holiday out of this, we're going to spend the next month or so uh, leading up to July 4th, Independence Day, where we go over why Independence Day even happened, why it's important, and why it changed history forever, and who's responsible for it, and who's responsible for it is Christians, and that is We make no bones about that on this podcast, and we will provide you hardcore evidence for that. Um, a lot of the material that we are presenting on the podcast in the next several weeks comes from a book by Mark David Hall called Proclaim Liberty Throughout All the Land, How Christianity Has Advanced Freedom and Equality for All Americans. Please go on Amazon and find this book for yourself and purchase it at $16 uh, plus shipping. Shipping wasn't bad. I think total is 18 bucks. But please do your own homework. Don't take anything I say for this podcast about on any episode, not just this one. But please don't take anything I say for granted and do your own homework and, and actually check what I say. And I'll be the first to admit and be, you know, every episode I make mistakes. And I'll go back and listen to the episodes and kick myself for missteps and, and things that I said that were not in, entirely uh, not not accurate or maybe I misstepped and just said the, the wrong year or something. Uh, I meant like 1896 and accidentally said 1996. So there are there are mistakes and I fully admit that, so please don't take everything I say for at face value and for granted on this podcast. Please do your own homework. I do the best I can to make sure that everything is accurate and precise, and uh, I ask that you do the same. On your end, make sure that everything I say is accurate and precise. And if I'm wrong, let me know. You know, uh, go on Facebook, email me. I think my email is attached on Spotify and iHeartRadio and all those sort of things, Apple Podcasts. But, um, you know, please take some time to correspond with me if you find something that you don't feel is accurate. But getting over to the Mayflower Compact, as we were discussing and kind of briefly touched on last week. <sighs> uh, so the Mayflower Compact. The pilgrims uh, get to Plymouth Rock from Holland, and the first thing they do when they get off of the uh, the Mayflower is they establish a set of principles, or a, it's a covenant that they made with God that uh, the government they are going to establish in the new world was going to be God-ordained. And God-ordained, uh, I would encourage you to go look at Romans chapter 13 to see what the qualifications of God-ordained government are. Uh, oftentimes Roman thir- Romans 13 is I believe taken out of context to say that uh, you know that all government uh, no matter how evil or good is ordained of God and that is absolutely not true uh, Romans chapter 13 I believe makes that clear that uh, there are there are qualifications to being a god ordained government and so the pilgrims recognize that and they set out set out to put the Mayflower compact into action and the Mayflower compact, can be boiled down into three doctrines, um, and this comes from uh, you know the, these these doctrines were not. Uh, at this point in time, were not unique to the Mayflower Compact. These were things that had been discussed and preached from pulpits uh, all across Europe uh, leading up to the Mayflower Compact. Uh, And so, uh, the book that I've been reading actually lays these out pretty well uh, and actually references uh, a gentleman by the name of Henry Wolcott, who took some notes listening to a sermon in 1638, uh, around an election, and that sermon uh, was one of uh, was given by one of Connecticut's early early founders by the name of Thomas Hooker. And these three doctrines, with a, f- I will say the fourth is a doctrine, it's more of just a summary of the previous three. Uh, but these three doctrines are really and truthfully, uh, they are all through our founding documents, whether that's the Declaration of Independence, whether that's the Constitution, the Articles of Confederation, um, or even the Federalist Papers and the Bill of Rights, you'll see these three doctrines, uh, they are pervasive through our founding documents and through the, the documents that currently run our country. Uh, and we'll also talk a few minutes today about how uh, these three are being violated and the violation of those three has led to some real issues in our country that we're seeing as we speak. Uh, so, doctrine number one, uh, the choice of public magistrates, or what we'll call officers or elected officials, the choice of public magistrates belongs unto the people by God's own allowance. So, what this means, if you look over at 1 Samuel chapter 8, there's a story that we've talked about before on this podcast, at least on a few episodes, where the Hebrews, the Israelites. They were asking Samuel to give them a king like all the other nations. They wanted to establish a monarchy, a one-man rule uh, government. And, The the Bible says the thing displeased Samuel, and so Samuel takes it to the Lord, and and God says, look, Samuel, you you know, obviously what they're asking for is not good. It's a wicked and evil thing, but I need you to just listen to them. It says, hearken unto the people, hear them out, listen to what they have to say, and then uh, God later gives them what they ask for. And so that upholds and proves this doctrine here that the choice of public magistrates belongs unto the people by God's own allowance. God gives people the authority to establish government by the means that they see fit. Now, they are also, you have the right to suffer the consequences if you put in place a bad government or a government that does not conform to God's structure of government. So, please understand, please don't understand what I'm not saying. What what I'm saying here is The people have a right to establish their government, but they also have an enormous responsibility here also to make sure that the government they establish is the government that God wants. And you see later on in 1 Samuel chapter 12 where the people did it anyway. The Israelites put up a monarchy anyway, and they regretted it. Just three chapters later, they were in a world of hurt and went so far as to ask Samuel to pray on their behalf and ask ask for God's forgiveness for their wickedness and evil of even asking a king as it says in 1 Samuel chapter 12. So doctrine number 1 the choice of public magistrates belongs unto the people by God's own allowance. Doctrine number 2 the the privilege of edu- of election, excuse me, which belongs to the people therefore must not be exercised according to their humors but according to the blessed will and law of God. So just to kind of uh, help you with some of the the vernacular of the day here, the privilege of election, meaning the vote, which belongs to the people, therefore must not be exercised according to their humors, or basically off of a whim. In other words, the vote, the people do have a right to put government in place that they believe um, is the best government for themselves within God's boundaries. But... Coupled with that, you now have the right to vote. If you are putting in uh, government and yourself, you need to make sure that your election process and that you as an individual, I don't mean election process as in like election integrity laws and things like that, although that can lend to that. I'm specifically dealing here with the individual. You as an individual, meaning you listening to this podcast as an individual, have a God given duty and responsibility to not only vote, but to make sure that you are super clear on who you're voting for and making sure that you are making the right decision that God would have you, uh, that you believe that God would have you make. And so, you know, that goes from dog catcher all the way up to the President of the United States. You need to be doing your homework and making sure that who you're voting for is not, you know, whether they have an R or a D beside their name should not matter to you. What should matter is if that person. Uh, falls in line with God's will and making sure that they uh, are doing what God wants them to do. So, for example, if they just because they have an R beside their name, if they're in favor of abortion, uh, or if they're in favor of you know the taking of innocent life without due process, which you know abortion is exactly that. They're they're innocent. They're not. They cannot speak for themselves. They cannot face their accuser, and so you know that is purely innocent life. Uh, and so to you know to remove that if if even if somebody is a Republican uh, or somebody's a Democrat um, you know that should not matter if they are willing to you know f- just as an example on the whole idea of abortion if they are not willing to uh, protect your right to life they certainly are not going to protect your pocketbook and your pocketbook I think we can all agree is far less important than a than an innocent life but so. The second the, the second doctrine here of uh, kind of goes along with the first and that you uh, the public has a has a choice in establishing that government but with that choice that, uh, that God has given you with that privilege that God has given you uh, that comes with an enormous responsibility to make sure that you are doing your part and making sure that you are doing your homework and and duty and responsibility are big words here. That means you, by God, that is God's will for you to do it. It is something that one must do. It is not something that one ought to do. You must do it. The duty and a responsibility is something, you know, you have a duty and responsibility to make sure that your kids are fed. Is that a choice? Is that just a recommendation? No, you must do it. It must be done. And voting and making sure that who you are voting for is the right person is no different. It is, I cannot overstate the impact of that responsibility. And what we're seeing right now, is, you know, with government and the United States government in particular, is that doctrine number two has been grossly overlooked and forgotten, uh, particularly among the people of the United States of, in general. We're getting a lot of people that are voting um, that, you know, they're either pulling the lever for a Democrat or Republican just because they're a Democrat or a Republican, and that's not going to cut it. That's, that's not going to cut it, and that's really the past 100 years possibly let's be more generous to us, let's say the last 50 years. That is truthfully what's been happening, and has gotten us into a, a real problem. Uh, the third doctrine here, they... Who have the power to appoint officers and magistrates, meaning the people. It is in their power also to set the bounds and limitations of power and place unto which they call them. So the third doctrine here is: you have a right as a people to establish your own government. Then you have a responsibility to make sure that the people you are putting in place are godly, you know, God-ordained people, Romans 13, God ordained people, but The third doctrine is, once you get those people in place, because you are the person that gives that power, the consent of the governed, you are the governed in this case, you give consent to those who govern. And being that you are the one that gives them consent, you are the sole person to set up the limitations and bounds in which that government operates. And so, you know, Whenever the government says comes to knocking on your door and says, "Hey, uh, we're going to tax you a little bit, more, a little bit more, or whatever else," and I'm speaking broadly here, not as an individual, but whenever the government uh, starts getting out over the skis and starts uh, over their skis and starts, you know, just doing things on a whim that are, you know, dangerous to your God-given rights, they have way overstepped their bounds. Government has a responsibility to stay within the bounds and limitations set by we, the people. And that is laid out in the Mayflower Compact as one of the one of the doctrines that are laid out in the Mayflower Compact and that exists in the Mayflower Compact. And so, uh, you know, that principle might sound familiar. Um, if you've ever, uh, you know, gone through a class in college or in high school um, and have, you know, done any study on the Constitution, uh, the U.S. Constitution – more than likely you'll have heard that referred to as a charter of negative liberties and what that means is it is a document that tells government what it cannot do it cannot abridge the freedom of the press or the freedom of speech it cannot establish a national government or i'm sorry a national religion it cannot quarter troops in your house in peacetime without uh without permission Uh, It cannot go through your papers uh, without a warrant or through your possessions without a warrant. So, the U.S. Constitution is a charter of negative liberties. Well, where did that great idea come from? It came from the Puritans. It came from all those that came before, all the way before 1620. This goes all the way back to, I think it said 1638. Uh, These doctrines were, you know, really, uh, um, you know, put on paper as, um, you know, carved into stone, if you will, that they were, you know, finally laid out in words. But these doctrines, of course, existed before 1638, and this is just uh, the place where they were summarized the best. But uh, these doctrines carried all the way forward to 1789, when the Constitution was ratified. And the people who did the ratifying and the people that wrote the Declaration of Independence, meaning Thomas Jefferson and then the editorial committee, Uh, all these doctrines and precepts and principles were not new ideas to them. These were not things that they just had a great idea and put pen to paper and said, hey, this will work great. This is stuff that was preached from American pulpits for hundreds of years before the American Revolution. Now, that absolutely does not take credit away from the founders. Absolutely does not. They were incredible men, incredibly smart and well-educated men, never saw the inside of a public schoolhouse, but they were incredibly well-educated, incredibly smart, incredibly well-read, and, you know, something that I believe all of us should be. I think, you know, I would encourage everyone on this podcast to read often and a lot. Uh, I know I've made it a personal goal of mine to read at least an hour a day, uh, and that is outside of my time of reading in the Bible, and I'm not tooting my own horn here i'm just telling you as something i try to do it doesn't happen every day unfortunately but it's something i try to do and something i encourage you to do and i promise you it you will notice the effects in your life and and you know and that's Spiritual effects, of course, but also mental effects and your mental acuity and your mental sharpness will, will increase by leaps and bounds. The more you read and the more you exercise that muscle, uh, it has a huge impact on you. And so the founders, of course, they didn't really have a choice. They didn't have TV or radio back then. And so all they did was read, 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 read. And as a result, we had extremely intelligent and smart and well put together founding fathers, who knew the the laws and precepts and principles that the founder or sorry the Puritans had been teaching for hundreds of years prior. And you know they they because of these things we just talked about because these doctrines were preached so often and so frequently and with such severity and and sincerity, they felt it was their duty to establish their own government. They felt it was their duty to make sure the people that they were putting in place were God's choice, which is why George Washington was elected twice with the unanimous vote. They believed they had the power to put uh, bounds and limitations around government as they believed God would have them to do. And so, Again, these weren't just whims that our founding fathers just, you know, pulled something out of their backside and put it on paper and it worked great. This was stuff that it, you know, this took, you know, hundreds of years of theological study to come to. And it's it really is a shame that we're seeing um, you know, our our foundation just being tossed by the wayside because we've got a bunch of people that, you know, think it's mean or hateful or, you know, they they falsely Assume that it's um, you know racist or whatever else, or that America was built on the backs of slaves. That's a bunch of crap. To be to be frank with you, uh, it's garbage. Um, you know Christianity as you know as we're gonna you know continue to show you through uh, the next several weeks. Christianity is the only people in American history that have stood up for black rights for, you know, and to free the slaves and stood up for uh, you know, American Indians and, and, and fought to prevent the Trail of Tears. Christians were the ones that did that. It was not liberal Democrats, okay? They, they have not – they have – the liberal Democrats – yeah, this is kind of a rabbit trail here. If you trace back their lineage, it goes back to the South in about 1860. and we all know what happened in the South in 1860. okay Christians, true Christians are the ones that have been fighting for freedom and liberty. True Christians are the ones that put proclaim liberty throughout all the land on the Liberty Bell because we believe it. It's not just a it's not just a whimsical idea that we have had recently you know this is this is something that christians believe thoroughly and it's something that you know that hopefully will carry on for generations and generations throughout you know the next several centuries uh, in the united states but fourth just to kind of summarize all these points the reasons given for these three doctrines is simply this because the foundation of authority is laid firstly in the free consent of the people And that summarizes everything. And again, I encourage you, go read 1 Samuel chapter 8. Read the whole chapter. It's not long. And then also go read uh, 1 Samuel chapter 12. You will not come away with anything other than, well, actually there's several principles in 1 Samuel chapter 8, but... I won't get into those right now just for the sake of, you know, staying on task here, but, um, you know, there's a lot you can learn out of, of course, out of the, the whole Bible. But uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8 and 1 Samuel chapter 12 are some of the best reading you will do on civil government and how God expects it to operate. And and really how God, um, you know, his relationship with nations and how uh, nations respond to him and how we should, you know, kind of pattern ourselves uh, after you know the the Israelites in this particular story were uh, were very rebellious and they said no we know what's best for ourselves God does not we're going to put up our government the way we want to do it because we want to do it like all the other nations around us and God said okay all right go ahead you do that but. God was also good enough to give them what would happen if they did that and gave out the whole, you know, there's probably 10-15 verses in 1 Samuel chapter 8 that go through exactly what would happen to the nation of Israel if they put a king in place. Lo and behold, that is exactly what happened to them. And to be completely honest with you, the rest of the accounts of Israel through, you know, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles and all the stories of David and Solomon all the issues that they had as a nation, I believe, can be traced back to this point where they put a where they put a monarchy in place when God wanted a republican form of government. A republican form of government would have, you know, David uh, could not have been able to commit his sin with Bathsheba had a republican form of government been put in place. Solomon couldn't have had a thousand wives and concubines had a republican form of government been in place because... There are limits and bounds set with a republican form of government around authority. David and Solomon didn't have that, and that was directly against what God wanted for Israel. But Israel did what they wanted, and and they suffered the consequences for it. Um, you know, so you know it really is what it is. And now it's you know stuff for us to learn from, uh, important stuff for us to learn from. But really and truthfully, uh, that that is the case. But anyway. Um, those are the three doctrines that, you know, our foundation is uh, rests in, and those three doctrines are pervasive uh, throughout our founding documents. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the violation of these three things are what has produced the issues we have had in the past couple of years. Uh, just recently, we've had the Durham report come out uh, where it's made very clear that the FBI uh, on their own Sort of volition, and I won't even say the FBI as a whole, but really a couple of people in the FBI that thought they knew better than the American people decided that they were going to make the election go the way they knew was going to be the best way for the American people and for their agenda, and so they they overstepped all three of those doctrines. They put themselves in place of the people as far as how government should be, uh, you know. Um, uh, structured. They made themselves the government in this case. Number two, they violated the vote. They literally stole the vote. And I'm not, what I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying here as far as the the election. I don't, you know, it's possible that it, it, it changed the results of the election and flipped the election. Very possible. It's very difficult to prove that. So let me just go ahead and get that out of the way. However, I do believe that there was some element of fraud, you know, throughout the whole process, with you know states changing laws six months before the election, and everything else—that's a side note. But the FBI, uh, you know, were actively taking votes and and you know, um, causing people who weren't doing their homework and not doing their due diligence, um, causing their minds to be changed over stuff that the FBI has admitted was a load of crap. They they literally made it up, and they will tell you they made it up. And so, you know, that's two doctrines right there that are violated, the third of which being the bounds – and people have the right to set the bounds and limitations. The FBI, if there were bounds and limitations, overstepped them and threw them to the side and did what they thought was quote-unquote right for the country without you even knowing it was going on. And so – there is a great example just very recently where those three doctrines that were set forth in the Mayflower Compact back in 1620, had they been uh, followed and understood by our government and had been followed by our government, we would not have had the problems we have had, I'll say, the past hundred years, but more recently, the past four years. Um and so, you can thank your uh, rusty, trusty government for that. So, uh, anyway, not to get on a rant there or a rabbit trail, but, you know, uh, you know, point being is, you know, all these people that are, you know, the Peter Strucks of the world, the Adam Shifts of the world that believe that they know better than you, let me just tell you, and this is just friend to friend here, they don't know their butt from a hole in the ground whenever it comes to the way God-ordained government should work. They are uh, idiots. To be completely blunt with you, they 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 would not know a good government if it bit them in the backside. And so you have a responsibility to make sure that you do. You have a responsibility to make sure that the people that are put in place in your government know what government, God-ordained government, should look like and follow it to the letter. And if they don't, it's your responsibility to go to doctrine number two and kick their sorry carcass out of Congress or out of the White House or out of your local county commission Kick their sorry carcass out and put somebody in that will do God's will. You have a – and, you know, it might sound a little corny, and the reason it sounds corny is because we don't believe it can be done anymore. And, you know, I'm sorry, but it absolutely can, and it must be done, or, you know, we're going to live in tyranny. And so, really and truthfully, friend to friend here, Gordon to you, uh, whoever is listening to this radio uh, or to this broadcast – we will live in tyranny if you choose to. If you choose not to, then we won't. But the decision solely lies with you. If you want to live in tyranny, I don't. And I, don't, I believe you wouldn't if you knew what tyranny really was. Tyranny offers security for the low, low price of your freedom. And it is not worth it. And the reason it's not worth it is it's a lie. It's a lie. It's no different than a teenage boy telling a girl, hey, I'm going to be around, stick around forever. I'm going to marry you. We're going to have 18 kids. She gives a precious thing to him, and then he takes off down the road never to be seen again. That is exactly what the Democratic Party and the progressive left in this country are trying to convince you to do is give away your purity as a Christian, God-ordained, and Christian-founded government. Your purity is trying—they're trying to get you to sell your purity down the road, and they're going to turn around and take off running. And they're going to be eating empanadas on the side of the road like stinking Maduro down there in Venezuela. Now, if you want that, that's fine. If you want to be sitting on the side of your bed, crying your makeup down your face, that's fine. You can do that. I'm not going to do that. And so I encourage you, I beg you as your friend, as your fellow American in the spirit of 1776 this year and this summer, I beg you, look tyranny in the face and say, no more. I, we have had it. It is time that government recognizes its place, which is below the people. Public servants are just that. They are servants. And don't don't let them try to sell you something that you know is going to wreck your life and leave you broken and miserable and starving, by the way. You know, guys, I, you know, I know I'm kind of ranting here a little bit, but America has offered something, you know, let me rephrase that. American American Christians have offered you something so unique that the world has never seen it before. And that is peace and liberty in our time. And it is solely your decision whether we keep that liberty and that freedom or if we live in tyranny and if your children live in tyranny and if your children's children live in tyranny. As Ronald Reagan once said, Liberty is only one generation away from being stolen. I will be darned if my generation, if I don't do everything I can to make sure that liberty stays for my child and my children's children. Until next week, America, I love you. You you are an incredibly fascinating place, and I never get tired of learning about you, America. You are a special place and you deserve praise and you deserve to be oogled over and marveled over. You deserve for people to honor you and to lift you up and recognize you for your pure foundation and your, your God-ordained civil government, whether or not the eggheads that are currently in power recognize that or not is a different story. America, I love you. Until next week, God bless America. Please don't forget to go check out speedwellcoffee.com straight off of Plymouth, Massachusetts, the Ethiopia Bombay Abore, by the way, just, just so you know, just how great this coffee is. On their website, it has is five out of five stars on the reviews. Now, there's only one review. It was not me, but it will soon be five out of five stars in two reviews as soon as I get through recording this podcast because I'm going to go leave a five-star review. Until next week, America, I love you. God bless. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.